to read a passage to you. It is uh, from the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 11. If you guys have your Bibles here, you can follow with me. If not, you can switch it on or just listen. It's Luke 11 from verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his, his, persist, his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we're busy with this series on prayer. And today, we, we are looking at the subject of petition, petitionary prayer. In other words, pouring ourselves out in front of God with our requests. Now, what I find interesting is Jesus just taught his disciples how to pray. It's the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And then, directly after that, he first tells them, you must ask for your daily bread, and what does he do? He then tells a story about somebody asking for bread. And that's no coincidence, okay? So he teaches the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and then he tells a story, as was Jesus' custom, about bread. Now, there are certain things in this story that, that I find interesting. First of all, it's midnight. Now, midnight means the middle of the night. I know that's shocking. But today, midnight for us, with electricity, I mean, hypothetically, uh, is when you go to sleep, or you've, you've, it's, it's like sort of early in the night. It's not midnight anymore. But back in the day, these guys would have been sleeping for four or five hours by midnight. So this really is in the middle of the night. And here's a friend, and he's asking his neighbor for bread. Now, the rooms in the Middle East in the first century, they were not... They were not houses like many middle-class people would have houses today in the sense that you've got a kiddie's room and you've got a lounge and you've got the, the main bedroom. It was one room. Many houses in the township, especially it's to, to, even to this day, it's just one room. And everybody's sleeping together in the same room. So when the father says, look, me and my kids are in bed, he's not saying we are in our respective beds. He's saying we are all in the same bed, in the same room, go away. And then... Here's the other problem with the request. It's hardly an emergency if you ask for bread from your friend. I mean, ask Gior, who now fasted for, uh, for a week, and uh, you know, some of the other guys. It's, 
you can go without bread around midnight till the next morning. You, you can last six hours, I think. So it's not as if this guy is knocking the door down. My wife fell. Um, she's bleeding. Can you please help me? The guy would have gotten up and said, oh, geez, I mean, wife falling, that's not great. So, so let me see if I can help you some bread. But the, the, the point is that this is not an emergency. This is in the middle of the night, and he's all, they're all sleeping in the same room. And this word, and then Jesus comments on this story, and he says, the reason why this friend will ultimately open up the door is because of the persistence of the knocker. Persistence. Now, that word, persistence, is nice, but the Greek word can better be translated into because of his rudeness, he will, he will give him bread. Because of the fact that this, this person is so upfront, he is so persistent, he is so rude, he will get his bread. Now, given the fact that we live in very gated communities, I'm not sure knocking is a big thing in our, in our world anymore. But I don't think anybody's ever opened up a door when somebody just goes and knocks once. You know, it, it doesn't work. You, you think maybe something fell. But if you knock multiple times, then it becomes a knock. Now, I think the best analogy sort of in our modern context is people phoning you. Now, when I get multiple missed calls from the same number, then when I phone back, I say, somebody better be dying. Uh, so so this, this better be an emergency because this is very rude to, to phone me 10 times within five minutes. And, and then if it is an emergency, then, then it's okay. If it isn't, then I'm angry for the rest of the day because of this person's rudeness, because of their persistence, okay? So that is the model that Jesus gives us. He says, I want you to give multiple miscalls to me, to God. Be rude, bash the door down. Now, if you think that this is sort of a once-off, in Luke 18, a couple of uh, chapters on, Jesus tells the parable of the persistent widow, and she's going to the judge, and she says, give me justice. And then eventually the judge, judge says, oh, this woman is just wearing me down. She's so annoying. If you, okay, here's your justice. I'll, I'll sort out your, your thing. Just shut up. And that, again, is a model for prayer. So what's going on? <laughs> this is a Christian model of prayer. What's going on? There are a few things. We've got this shameless knocking that's going on, this shameless petition before God, absolute audacity. And in most religions, this wouldn't make any sense. I can't imagine a passage like this in the Quran with the Muslims. It is completely irreverent, isn't it? We are treating God, I mean, it's, it's, he's holy. He is completely other. He is majestic. How can we take up this posture when we are talking to him? I can't imagine that it would make sense in Islam. I don't imagine it making sense in Eastern religions. Why is it at home within Christianity? There's another problem we have, by the way. And this is something that I've heard a lot in my ministry, and I'm sure most of you have struggled with this question. Why pray if God already knows what we need? Why, why pray if he already knows what we need, and he will give us, in any case, what we need? What's the point of praying? Right, so we've got two problems. One, there's rudeness. And secondly, it doesn't really make sense. Prayer doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make sense. Uh, so sort of the, 
the reason why we have to do it, given who God is. You're always going to struggle to make sense of prayer unless you have a particular picture of God. And in the Christian conception, that picture is just one thing, and that is a father. If your picture, when you close your eyes and you imagine God, I mean, maybe that is already heretical, but if you imagine God, if you do not see the arms of a loving father, you are missing the point completely. If you are, however, imagining a father, then it will start to make sense because of the following. When we pray to our father and we ask him things and we pour our request in front of him, one of the reasons why we do that is because he likes being asked. Now, I've been a father for almost three years now, and I'm no expert, but I can tell you, I want to be asked. I know my kid needs to eat. I know my kid needs to drink something. He, you know, you're not going to uh, convince your three-year-old to fast with you, you know, when the whole church is doing, no, 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 I want you to pray. What? You know, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is that I want him to say that, can I, wh- what are we eating? Or maybe he says, I'm hungry. And then usually my line is, this new, who from it? Then he tries again, Papa, believe, you know, or, or some, some version. I want him to ask. Now, if that's true for me and for most parents, then why wouldn't it be true for God himself? You see, there's this, this wonderful story in the Gospel of John where this man He's been lame his whole life, uh, sort of in in the handicap uh, sense of the word. And he's there at the pool of Bethesda, and he cannot move. He cannot get to the pool. And the superstition at the time was that when the bubbles emerge, the first one who gets there, that person is healed. And this guy can never get there, and he's been there for years. And then Jesus comes up to him, and he asks him, do you want me to make you well? Now, Forgive me for saying this. What a stupid question. It's like an ambulance arriving at the scene of a major major car accident and saying, do you want me to make you well? I can see there's blood everywhere. Do you want me to make you well? Um, It it seems bizarre. But but here's the thing. Remember the father-son analogy, father-child analogy. I want to hear it. I want you to ask. One of the reasons why asking is so good is because of the second reason, I think, we need to ask for our daily bread. We need to, we need to pour out our request before God. It's because it produces gratitude. It produces gratitude. When you ask for something and it manifests, then you are grateful. Again, trying to, to raise kids, you really don't want them to be entitled brats. So I say it about 55 times a day. What do you say? Thank you, thank you. you know, and I heard at some point, you know, somewhere when they go to university, they start saying thank you by themselves. But the reason why we need to ask for our daily bread is so that when we receive our daily bread, we do what? We say thank you. Now, I pray before I eat, but I do not pray the Lord's Prayer every morning. 
where I say, give, give, give me this day my daily bread. But let's try it this week, where you really pray and you say, God, I'm not going to take this for granted at all. Will you give me my, day, my, my bread that I need today? And then when you eat it, you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is not only bread. It's mince as well. It's a fed cook. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't think um, God wants to take credit for that necessarily. But the, the, the point is that you are grateful for, for what has been put in front of you. It produces gratitude, doesn't it? So daily asks, asking produces daily gratitude. Uh, I mean, the analogy is, 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 is quite straightforward. Um, if you fasted for a day or two days or, or, or a week, when you see food again and you know you're allowed to eat, it is such a gift. It is, it is amazing. I, uh, I, you know, tr- trying to, to get my health back on track, is, actually this is not something I should admit in public, um, but I'm just going to say this. This is a safe space, right? Okay. So um, we are dabbling in veganism. Uh, me and my wife. I'm sorry, okay? You guys said it's a safe space. And, and now, whenever I just smell meat, it's like, oh, um, you know, Satan, don't tempt me. It, it's, just, uh, it's, it's just amazing. And I haven't appreciated meat at all in my life. But now that I'm not allowed to touch it, it is, it is just amazing. And, and that is what happens when you just distance yourself a little bit. I'm not sure if you guys have the experience when you go camping or hiking or, or something adventurous and you come home. My bed, my bath. Thank you, Lord. You appreciate these things. Uh, again, that is what we are supposed to invest in. Is invest the right word? We implement in our lives so that when we receive food, we are not spoiled, entitled brats. We are super grateful. Ah, food. Thank you, Lord. Gratitude is important. The third thing, why we ask, third reason rather, why we should ask, why God the Father wants us to ask, is because we fight the illusion of independence when we ask. Often when we pray, and I know this is true for me, I'll pray for lofty things. Lord, grow my character. Lord, give me more of you. These are good things. Make no mistake, they are good things. But they are almost, you can't measure it. It's, 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 very, it's very lofty. Lord, give me world peace. Or not me, world peace, the world peace. You know, you, you pray for all of these, these things. But then I don't pray for my daily bread. I don't pray for a lot of the things that happens here on a very basic horizontal level. And you know what's the basic assumption behind it? I've got this covered, Lord. Don't worry about it. But the big thing, like my character, please help me with that, you know. And pride, please help me with that. Food and drink and my home and everything else, I'm pretty much sorted uh, with that. So when we pray for our daily bread, when we ask him for all of these things, can you see how that fights that illusion of control? I think that, that this is something that is not a gift from God. It is something that I, I, I sort of got a, got a lid on it. Everything is okay here. Can you see the problem in that? So we ask to fight this illusion of independence. It's a daily reminder that I am not in control. It's a daily reminder that we are children 
at the mercy of our Heavenly Father. So th these are the three reasons why we should ask, because fathers wants to be asked because it produces gratitude and it fights the illusion of control. Now, those are the reasons why. Now the question is, how should we approach it? How should we approach this prayer? The first thing is this shameless persistence, this rudeness. You can almost not be too upfront when it comes to God. Now, when you think of biblical characters like Moses and Abram, I mean, these guys, Moses, uh, he encounters God with the burning bush and take off your, your shoes, Moses, you're on holy ground. And, oh, God, I cannot see you. Your, your, your presence and your holiness is too much for me. That same Moses who recognized God's majesty, that same Moses would say, uh -uh, God, you promised you're going to come with us. I'm not, I'm not taking no for an answer. Uh -uh, this is nonsense. You're coming with us. That's kind of rude, isn't it? You're talking to the greatest being that's ever, that, 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 that ever will be, and you are like, uh -uh, you're wrong. I'm right. No, I'm, I'm not taking no for an answer. You're coming with us. Abraham, <laughs> he... God says he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham's like, oh, yeah, God, you know everything. You're amazing. But what if there's 50 people? What if, what if there's 50 people there? Will, will you destroy them now? And God says, okay, yeah, if there's 50 people. Okay, thanks. Oh, God, whilst I've got you on the line, uh, 40. Can we do 40? And then God says, yeah, okay, we can do 40. Hmm, 30? Can we push this a little bit? You know, he's, he's bargaining with God. He's being very irreverent. He's being very disrespectful, and God loves it. He loves to be bothered. He loves to be bothered by our persistent requests. And, and friends, there's another lie that we need to kill, and, and I, I'm so guilty of this. There's no thing too small to place before God. My wife is, is a prayer-filled person. And sometimes to my annoyance, she'll hurt her fingernail and ask me to pray for it. And I look at it and I, I just, this, which finger is it that we're praying for? And, and, and I, would, I would tell her, I mean, let's, let's, you know what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment. You know what's happening in the Congo at the moment. You know, that's my, she'll pray for parking spots. You know, she wants a, she wants a nice parking spot. I go, oh, man. I mean, the amount of times that you are driving around trying to find the perfect parking spot, you're already killing half the planet. So, so I, I'm not sure that we should pray for this parking spot. But, but she prays. And you know what's the difference between her and me? She's the one praying about stupid stuff, admittedly. But who's, who's praying? She is. Who's not praying? Me. There's no thing too small that you can take to God. And here's another problem, friends. Most of our days do not consist of very big things. They consist of, very, of, of a bunch of small things, right? Now, if that is what most of our days look like, then when it comes to prayer, we'll have nothing to talk about if we are not bringing the small things to God. You understand our problem? So there's nothing too small, too little for him. Kids are so persistent in their asking about stupid stuff. My kid wants to wear his Spider-Man t-shirt everywhere. And 
most of the time we have to go get that thing out of the laundry, like like with 50 pieces of mango attached to it, and he's he's wearing it, and he doesn't take no for an answer. He's just pulling at the sleeve the whole time. God wants to be bothered. Who are three famous South Africans? Three very famous South Africans. I'm going to answer that question. What's that, James? Yeah. So, Siakulisi, she's pretty, pretty famous, right? Then you've got Ramaphosa, pretty famous, and Elon Musk. So, I mean, I'm claiming him now. So, so these are three famous South Africans. Now, if I go to Sia's house, as I like to call him, and I knock on the door at midnight and I ask him for a glass of water, what's going to happen? Let's say I do that at Ramaphosa's house, what's going to happen? Security, I've tried it, it doesn't work. You can't come close to him. Uh, you've, you've got the security, I'm pretty sure there will be security or at least Sia's wife or somebody telling me to go, go away. I won't even come close to him to ask him for that glass of water. Elon Musk, same problem. Who's the only person who is able to wake them up for a glass of water? They're kids. Their kids are the only people who would go to these famous people, these untouchable people. They've got a whole team of people around them protecting them from the public. Who are the only people who would come and ask for a glass of water? Their kids. And when Sia wakes up and he says, honey, you can't, you can't ask me for a glass of water now. I'm very important. I... Uh, I'm, I'm the Springbok rugby captain, and I'm this, this public global figure. Look, I'm on every billboard. And then the kid will say, I, wa- I want my water now. Um, and then if, if Ramaphosa's kid asks him, which will be weird because I think they're in their 30s, but if, if he does it or she does it, the, the, the kid then, and he says, I'm, I'm the president of South Africa. Well, then president of South Africa, I want my water now. You know, and the same with Elon Musk. You've got that audacity, that shameless audacity. You've got that kind of ac- access. And whether this person is important or not, it, it doesn't matter. So that persistence, that shameless persistence, is how we should approach prayer. There's also another crucial aspect, and that is mystery. Mystery. There's a... Even though kids... Don't always, they ask and they're very persistent. I, I often tell my boy, now you're just being disobedient. And he doesn't know either of those two words, but with my into, uh, intonation, is it? He knows that it's bad. And, uh, and then he accepts it. He accepts, okay. And even though he doesn't understand why it's a problem, today I told him you're not allowed to put, throw the sand out of the sand pit. Don't, don't do that. He doesn't understand. I mean, there is sand. It's a different color than the sand over here. Why can't I throw? Just, I'm not going to explain it to you. Just don't. And then I think in his three-year-old head, there is something that says, you know what, that's grown-up stuff. I don't have to have access to all the knowledge and all the various possibilities. and I don't have to know everything. I can just trust that he's a grown-up and he's telling me not to do something. In other words, we need to embrace mystery. We need to embrace trust. And then we encounter the massive question, 
when it comes to this, this question of petition, where God says, which father would not, if their kid asks them for an egg, um, which father would not give them an egg but a scorpion? Now, the immediate question that emerges is that we all know that we've asked for various things and it didn't happen. And there are many horrible things that happens around the world and happened around the world and we can't imagine anybody asking for those things. So how do we reconcile that with this passage? How do we reconcile disappointment with this passage? Now, there are many factors. There are various factors. One, I think, way of approaching this is to know that we sometimes ask wrongly. We often do not ask for the egg or the bread. We ask for the scorpion and the snake. Like, I, I really wanted to, to marry this girl in high school. Not whilst I was in high school, but this particular girl, I wanted to be with her. And I prayed. I prayed a lot for this girl. And uh, it didn't happen. And in retrospect, thank God. Now, I mean, no disrespect to her. She's lovely. But in this scenario, she's a bit of a scorpion. Because the wife I ended up with is just much more of a fit when it comes to ministry and, and, and what it is that I, that I try to do with my life. Thank God that he didn't give me the scorpion that I asked for. He gave me bread. Can you see that sometimes we ask for the wrong thing? Who of you have seen the movie Bruce Almighty? Now, that's what happens when all the prayers goes answered, okay? It's, it's very self-serving. You've got... Uh, uh, you, everybody wins the lotto overnight. And um, it says what we would have asked for if we knew everything he does. I don't want to trivialize this because uh, even in a room as small as this, there will be a lot of hurt, a lot of pain when it comes to unanswered prayers and a lot of tragedy. And I don't want to trivialize this. I know it's very difficult. But reflecting on my life, I've had a few tragic moments. One, when we lost to Japan in the 2015 Rugby World Cup. Um, but before that, you know, we, my father died when I was 11. And I really didn't want my father to die. We had a great relationship. And it, he was 42 years old. It came very suddenly. And, and it was tragic. But if I'm honest with myself, that started my spiritual journey. Before that, I couldn't care less about God about the bigger questions in life. The only thing I could care about was, you know, sport and friends and clay light, and I was starting to like girls. Those were the most important things. And I remember feeling very almost lonely with my questions. I remember going to the library and seeing this book and taking it out, Does God Really Exist? And everybody, like, who saw the book, how dare you even read something like that? Who, who asks questions like that? You know, just, just pray and play rugby. What's the problem? But my 11-year-old heart wasn't satisfied with just running after a ball anymore. I, I wanted answers to bigger questions. It started my journey. And that journey took me in a very skeptical route at one point, where I... I cannot claim that I was an atheist or an agnostic. I usually say that on Mondays I was definitely agnostic and 
you know, so it depends. It depends on which day of the, the week it was, and and whatnot. Uh, and ov obviously, you know, before you had coffee in the mornings and uh, etc. But I was in hostel at varsity, and I wa really wanted to be prim. Prim is sort of the head boy of the, the hostel, and I didn't get it. I was very disappointed. My mom came up from uh, Newcastle to, to Porch to visit some friends that week, and because the hostel didn't vote for me, I now didn't have any responsibilities there, so I went to see my mom. And very disappointed, very angry, because I really prayed for that. I really prayed to, to be prim. And uh, that night, I meet this, this lady, Cornelie de Toy, back then was her name. Uh, her name is still Cornelie, but her surname changed since. And, and uh, she picked up on my skepticism. She picked up on a lot of questions that I asked. And I remember asking her, do you know, have you read the literature of uh, Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris? Have you read these guys? And, uh, and she sighed and she, says, and she just said, Yuan, uh, this might offend you, but you really need to get better atheists. And she started giving me good atheists that she thinks I should read. I'm like, okay. And uh, so, so, so this lady knows what she's talking about, and she's been reading and, and doing a lot of work in Christian philosophy and the like. And long story short, she started to articulate some of these ideas to me. And we started it at about 7 o'clock. 11, 11 o'clock, I'm still asking her about all of these things, and she's trying to explain it to me, and it's, it's quite difficult, but I just want these answers. At 4 a.m. in the morning, she is falling asleep halfway through her point, halfway through her argument. And I'll wake up, and oh, please, 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 just this, this one. And then th this girl is almost dying. Um, but, but I want this information. She gave me a couple of CDs, and it started me on a journey that, that brought me back to faith and put me in ministry. And I thank God for that. At the time, I was really devastated that God didn't answer my prayer when it came to being prim of my hostel. At the time, I was devastated at the death of my father. In retrospect, I can see how these big things shaped me in my life. Again, I don't want to trivialize this, and there are very difficult things uh, that, that probably doesn't fit as nicely. The story doesn't end as nicely as, as mine. But I do think that there's something true in God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he does. And, and friends, that's something to hold on to. Even if tragedy, bad things, unanswered prayer happens in our life, we can know the following three things. Our bad things will turn out for good. Our good things can never be taken from us. And the best is yet to come. Our bad things will turn out for good. Our good things can never be taken from us. And the best is yet to come. You see, as a child, when it comes to prayer and the mystery of God and um, why should I pray because if he already knows these things or what about unanswered prayer, I'm actually not called to understand everything. I'm just called to pour my heart, my heart out in front of God, my Father. That's my responsibility, not to try and understand everything. And if you think that the Bible is very detached from our daily reality, just know that in the center, at the most pivotal moment of the biblical story, there is an unanswered prayer where Jesus is the recipient of that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays that this cup will pass him, and he doesn't. 
unanswered prayer. On the cross, he, he yells out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, in retrospect, although those things were terrible, we can see how, how bad things will turn out for good. Our good things can never be taken from us. The best is yet to come. Friends, maybe we don't pray. Maybe we don't have this shameless persistence in our prayer because our view of, of God is not that of a father. Let me just say this. If we don't ask because God is busy with important things, then we are not worshiping God the Father, but God the President, right? Can't bother him with trivial things. Maybe if we only pray when, when we're desperate, then we are not busy worshiping God the Father. We are praying to an insurance broker. And if we stop praying because we didn't get what we want, then we're praying to a vending machine, not to God the Father. That is the God that is the picture of God. That is the model and the image God uses when he wants to explain the deep intimacy that we have when we, when we pray. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to pray. So where you are, just close your eyes. And maybe as a good practice, just maybe try and sit up straight and... And, and maybe just put your, put your hands on your knees and open them, just in a posture of trying to receive God's good gift. And what I want you to do now is petition God. Ask God for something. You can close your eyes so long. Pray to God, but pray for something that's on your heart and pray for something specific. Don't, I mean, there's nothing wrong to ask God to work on your character or to give more of him, but, but ask for something specific that it's so specific that if you don't get it, that you'll be disappointed and that if you get it, you'll be super surprised and excited. Just pour your heart out in front of God. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can pour our hearts out in front of you, that we don't have to pull our punches, that we don't have to sandwich our petitions with all sorts of lofty ideals, but that we can just pray and pray what's in our heart. Thank you, Lord, that when we pray, we don't only have to focus on, 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 on anything else but the arms of a loving father. And that we can be kids just pulling at your sleeve, knocking the door down. That is the type of access we have, Lord, and it melts our hearts. Maybe, Lord, we are hiding behind clean prayers. Maybe we've been disappointed before in prayer, so we don't ask you for stuff anymore. So we, we pray these type of prayers that's, that's unfalsifiable, that's actually unanswerable in a certain sense. 
Rescue us from that, Lord. Help us to pray and pour ourselves out in front of you, to be vulnerable in our prayer life. Thank you, Lord, for adopting us as your kids, as your children. And we pray, Lord, that you will give us our daily bread. We don't pray for tomorrow's bread. We pray for today's bread. And when we receive that, Lord, may we be grateful. May we respond in gratitude. We don't want to be entitled brats, Lord. We don't want to be people who think that we are more independent than what we are. Help us to realize that we are at the loving mercy of our Heavenly Father. Lord, as we go into this week, I pray that there will be a shameless audacity, a shameless persistence that is in our prayer. Because, Lord, ultimately, whether what we say is pure or not, what counts is the fact that we're saying it to you. We are talking to you, your children. And it is in Jesus' name, Lord, that we end all of these petitions and all of these requests. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.